Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, September 12th. Yom Teruah, or Feast of Trumpets, is rapidly approaching. This year, Yom Teruah, according to the Jewish Hallel calendar, begins on Friday night at sundown, and go September the 15th, and goes through Sunday, September 17th. Yom Teruah is known as the Day of the Awakening Blast. What is the purpose of this awakening blast, the blowing of the shofar? To awaken people from their spiritual slumber, to warn them to repent, as we are in the season of judgment. The sounding of the shofar is meant to arouse those who have fallen asleep spiritually. Now let's look at examples of the blowing of the shofar in the scriptures. The Torah was given with the sound of the shofar in Exodus 19.19. Israel conquered Jericho with the blast of the shofar, Joshua 6.20. Israel will be alerted to the coming of Messiah with the sound of the shofar, Zechariah 9, 14 and 16. The shofar will be blown at the time of the ingathering of the exiles of Israel, Isaiah 27, 13. The shofar was blown to assemble the Israelites for war, Judges 3, 27. The watchman who stood upon Jerusalem's walls blew the shofar to give warning to the people of the God of Israel. Ezekiel 33, 3-6 The shofar was blown at the start of the Jubilee year. Leviticus 25, 9 The shofar is a reminder that the God of Israel is sovereign. Psalm 47, 5 The shofar is a reminder of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac and the God of Israel's provision of a ram as a substitute. Genesis 22, 13 the shofar was blown to announce the beginning of feasts and the celebration of the new moon. Numbers 10.10, 10, Psalm 81, 1-3. The blowing of the shofar is also a signal and a call to repentance. Isaiah 58.1 The blowing of the shofar is associated with the warning of the coming of the day of the Lord. Joel 2, verse 1. The blowing of the shofar will be sounded at the resurrection of the dead. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 John was taken up to heaven with the sound of the shofar. Revelation 4.1 Seven shofars, or trumpets, are sounded when the God of Israel judges the earth during the tribulation period. Revelation 8 and 9 The shofar is used for the coronation of biblical kings. 1 Kings 1, 34 and 39. 
Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion for the Feast of Trumpets. Numbers 29, 1-6 Celebrate the Festival of Trumpets each year on the first day of the appointed month in early autumn. You must call an official day for holy assembly, and you may do no ordinary work. On that day you must present a burnt offering as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It will consist of one young bull, one ram, and seven one-year-old male lambs, all with no defects. These must be accompanied by grain offerings of choice flour, moistened with olive oil, six quarts with the bull, four quarts with the ram, and two quarts with each of the seven lambs. In addition, you must sacrifice a male goat as a sin offering to purify yourselves and make yourselves right with the Lord. These special sacrifices are in addition to your regular monthly and daily burnt offerings, and they must be given with their prescribed grain offerings and liquid offerings. These offerings are given as a special gift to the Lord, a pleasing aroma to Him. Isaiah 10, 1-11-16 What sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws? They deprive the poor of justice and deny the rights of the needy among my people. They prey on widows and take advantage of orphans. What will you do when I punish you, when I send disaster upon you from a distant land? To whom will you turn for help? Where will your treasures be safe? You will stumble along as prisoners or lie among the dead. But even then the Lord's anger will not be satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. What sorrow awaits Assyria, the rod of my anger? I use it as a club to express my anger. I am sending Assyria against a godless nation, against a people with whom I am angry. Assyria will plunder them, trampling them like dirt beneath its feet. But the king of Assyria will not understand that he is my tool. His mind does not work that way. His plan is simply to destroy. His plan is simply to destroy, to cut down nation after nation. He will say, Each of my princes will soon be a king. We destroyed Kalno just as we did Carchemish. Hamath fell before us as Arpad did, and we destroyed Samaria just as we did Damascus. Yes, we have finished off many a kingdom, whose gods were greater than those in Jerusalem and Samaria. So we will defeat Jerusalem and her gods, just as we destroyed Samaria with hers. After the Lord has used the king of Assyria to accomplish his purposes on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, he will turn against the king of Assyria and punish him, for he is proud and arrogant. He boasts, By my own powerful arm 
I have done this. With my own shrewd wisdom, I planned it. I have broken down the defenses of nations and carried off their treasures. I have knocked down their kings like a bull. I have robbed their nests of riches and gathered up kingdoms as a farmer gathers eggs. No one can even flap a wing against me or utter a peep of protest. But can the axe boast greater power than the person who uses it? Is the saw greater than the person who saws? Can a rod strike unless a hand moves it? Can a wooden cane walk by itself? Therefore, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot, will send a plague among Assyria's proud troops, and a flaming fire will consume its glory. The Lord, the light of Israel, will be a fire. The Holy One will be a flame. He will devour the thorns and briars with fire burning up the enemy in a single night. The Lord will consume Assyria's glory like a fire consumes a forest in a fruitful land. It will waste away like sick people in a plague. Of all that glorious forest, only a few trees will survive, so few that a child could count them. In that day, the remnant left in Israel, the survivors in the house of Jacob, will no longer depend on allies who seek to destroy them, but they will faithfully trust the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return. Yes, the remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. But though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sands of the seashore, only a remnant of them will return. The Lord has rightly decided to destroy his people. Yes, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot, has already decided to destroy the entire land. So this is what the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, says. O my people in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians when they oppress you with rod and club, as the Egyptians did long ago. In a little while my anger against you will end, and then my anger will rise up to destroy them. The Lord of Heaven's armies will lash them with his whip, as he did when Gideon triumphed over the Midianites at the Rock of Oreb, or when the Lord's staff was raised to drown the Egyptian army in the sea. In that day the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery, and lift it from their shoulders. Look, the Assyrians are now at Aeth. They are passing through Migron and are storing their equipment at Michmash. They are crossing the pass and are camping at Geba. Fear strikes the town of Ramah. All the people of Gebeah, the hometown of Saul, are running for their lives. Scream in terror, you people of Galim. Shout out a warning to Lesha. O poor Anathoth, there go the people of Madmina, all fleeing. The citizens of Gebam are trying to hide. The enemy stops at Nob for the rest of that day. He shakes his fist at beautiful Mount Zion, the mountain of Jerusalem. But look, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Savayot, will chop down the mighty tree of Assyria with great power. He will cut down the proud, that lofty tree will be brought down. 
he will cut down the forest trees with an axe. Lebanon will fall to the mighty one. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and a little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with the people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people, those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt, in southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam, and Babylon, Hamath, and all the distant coastlands. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. Then, at last, the jealousy between Israel and Judah will end. They will not be rivals anymore. They will join forces to swoop down on Philistia to the west. Together they will attack and plunder the nations to the east. They will occupy the lands of Edom and Moab, and Ammon will obey them. The Lord will make a dry path through the gulf of the Red Sea. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams, so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, just as he did for Israel long ago, when they returned from Egypt. Second Corinthians 12, 11-21 You Corinthians have made me, Paul, act like a fool. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not at all inferior to these super-apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle, for I patiently did many signs and wonders 
and miracles among you. The only thing I failed to do, which I do in other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. After all, children don't provide for their parents. Rather, parents provide for their children. I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. Some of you admit I was not a burden to you, but others still think I was sneaky and took advantage of you by trickery. But how? Did any of the men I sent to you take advantage of you? When I urged Titus to visit you and sent our other brother with him, did Titus take advantage of you? No, for we have the same spirit and walk in each other's steps, doing things the same way. Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants, with God as our witness. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. For I am afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like. My response. I am afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. Yes, I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence, and I will be grieved because many of you have not given up your old sins. You have not repented of your impurity, sexual immorality, and eagerness for lustful pleasure. Psalm 56, 1-13 O God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Proverbs 23, 6-8 Don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. You will throw up what little you've eaten, and your compliments will be wasted. 
I want to speak to you today from our reading from Isaiah chapter 10 and 11, and there's a really fascinating passage there that I want to unpack for you. First of all, we have a Yeshua sighting, a type and a shadow of Yeshua, a reference, a signpost that points us to Yeshua. And it's always delightful to discover those. So in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, this is a signpost pointing us to Yeshua, where it is written, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. On who? On Yeshua. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. So this is speaking of Yeshua, I believe, both in his first coming and in his second coming as well. Jumping down to verse 10, it says, In that day the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day... The Lord will reach out his hand a second time. Now, these next verses that I'm going to read, I call this a greater Exodus passage. It is really describing for us what this second Exodus is going to look like. And it makes a direct reference to the first Exodus. So continuing on in chapter 11, we'll start in verse 11. In that day, what day? The day of the Lord, the day when the greater exodus begins. The Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people. And where are his people? They're scattered to all the nations, those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt, in southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam, in Babylon, Hamath, and all the distant coastlands. The distant coastlands could include the UK, Europe, the United States, Hawaii, all the coastlands. Verse 12, he will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. Now let me pause for a moment and talk about who are the exiles of Israel. So the exiles of Israel is not just talking about the Jewish people. The exiles of Israel, we have to ask the question, who is the family of Yeshua? Who describes the family of Yeshua? The house of Jacob, the redeemed house of Jacob, is the family of Yeshua. And the redeemed house of Jacob, that is those who are saved, who've put their trust in Yeshua as their Savior, includes all 12 tribes. It includes Judah, the Jewish people, and all the non-Jews, the Gentiles, who have put their trust in Yeshua. And so... The exiles of Israel includes 
Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles. It includes all of us. He will gather the scattered people of Judah. Now that's a direct reference to the Jewish people from the ends of the earth. Now remember when the kingdom split happened in 1 Kings chapter 12, we have the northern kingdom, also known as the house of Israel, also known as Ephraim, or the house of Joseph. And then we have the southern kingdom, also known as the house of Judah, uh, or known as the Jewish people. Okay, so the exiles of Israel includes the northern kingdom, the non-Jewish part of God's family. Then at last, verse 13, the jealousy between Israel and Judah will end. The jealousy between northern and southern kingdom. The jealousy between Jews and Gentiles. It will end. They will not be rivals anymore. They will join forces to swoop down on Philistia to the west. Together they will attack and plunder the nations to the east. They will occupy the lands of Edom and Moab, and Ammon will obey them. Now, these next two verses are really fascinating. And in the same way that God parted the Red Sea and made a way for Israel, the children of Israel, to escape from Egypt, and he shook his fist over the Red Sea, and then the Red Sea parted, and they literally walked over the land, and it was dry, and the waters walled up on both sides of them. God is going to do this again, and these next two verses describe for us that he's going to do it again a second time during this greater exodus. Verse 15, the Lord will make a dry path through the gulf of the Red Sea. Now remember, this is future prophetic language. He will. That's future prophetic. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams, so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will, future prophetic, make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria just as he did for Israel long ago when they returned from Egypt. Now the northern kingdom, when they were taken captive and went into exile, they were attacked by Assyria and they went off to Assyria, to the north, and that's where they went, where they were taken captive and went as exiles. And from there, they forgot who they were, they forgot the name of God, they forgot the book, the Torah, They basically got spiritual amnesia. And then from there, they were scattered to all the nations of the earth. That's us. So Assyria is sort of a type and a picture of the land of our captivity today. And so God is saying he's going to gather all of his people and bring them back home to Israel. That is a day I look forward to. That is a day that gives me great hope. At the beginning of this chapter, it talked about tremendous unfair judges and terrible justice. And what God is saying is he's going to use the nation of Assyria in that time to attack Israel 
because of all of the injustice. The opening verses, chapter Isaiah chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. What sorrow awaits the unjust judges and those who issue unfair laws. They deprive the poor of justice and deny the rights of the needy among my people. They prey on widows and take advantage of orphans. What will you do when I punish you, when I send disaster upon you from a distant land? To whom will you turn for help? Where will your treasure be safe? Now that was a message for that time. Isaiah was speaking to the nation of Israel, and he was revealing to them their sin of the incredible injustice um, and all of the oppression that was going on against the needy and the poor and the widows. And he and basically he's saying that God is going to send the nation of Assyria to the north to attack Israel and to bring her to her knees. And why does God bring judgment? It's always, always, always to bring about repentance so that people will cry out to the Lord and turn from their sin and turn to him. Similarly, today here in America, America in many ways parallels Israel and God works in patterns and what he did historically literally happened. But often those historical events are prophetic blueprints of what he's going to do again in the future. And so in ancient Israel, there was great injustice and God is getting ready to judge them and send in an invading nation, Assyria, to deal with them. Similarly, today, America has incredible injustice going on. We have a two-tiered justice system, one for BLM and Antifa and the liberal left-wing communists, and a different justice for those who are conservative, who are patriot, and who are Trump supporters. And there are still 1,200 people languishing in the Washington, D.C. gulag prisons who've not had their day in court, who've not had um, access to an attorney, who have not had due process, who've had their veterans' benefits cut off, who are being persecuted and tormented. And, I mean, that number has risen from 900 to 1,200. And they're still going after another 1,000. And so the Department of Justice has been weaponized to target people who are conservative, who are patriotic, who are Christians, who are pro-Trump. And so this is a tremendous uh, miscarriage of justice. And the Lord is going to deal with that. He is. In the same way he dealt with it back in the time of Israel, he's going to deal with it again today. There will be a judgment on the United States of America, and I believe the judgment will be very targeted towards the oppressors, not towards the oppressed. Heavenly Father, we can't wait for the day when Yeshua returns to ingather the exiles of Israel. We thank you for the Yom Teruah, the sound of the awakening blast, that is to awaken us from our spiritual slumber, and to get us to start to look forward to the day of the ingathering of your exiles who have been scattered to all the nations of the earth, that you ingathered your people out of Egypt and brought them out into a wide open place, a safe place. 
to Mount Sinai, where they received your law, your Torah, your instructions, your love letters, your marriage covenant. And then you were poised to bring them into the promised land. Father, we look forward to the day that you will one day gather us once again and bring us into your promised land, a place of safety and a place of peace, a place where you rule and reign. Yeshua, come, come quickly, set things in order, get the scales of justice back in balance. We cry out for your righteousness, for your justice, for your mercy, for your compassion. Come quickly, Yeshua. Amen. Adonai Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.